Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climat-wandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. Welcome to Food for Europe. And this episode looks at a sector of agriculture that's essential to our economy, our society and our health, fruit and vegetables. And it's a sector that suffered from its fair share of misinformation and myth, hence our decision to focus on the best that fruit and veg has to offer in Europe. You find me about 20 feet off the ground, high up in the low country, the Netherlands. I'm in a greenhouse on a trolley that's moving through a mass of pepper plants that seems to go on forever. And my first guest is Wim Roddenberg from Fruithuis, a Dutch agriculture association whose members account for around 80% of all fruit and vegetables grown in this country. Wim, thanks for coming on Food for Europe. Describe the scene for us here. There are shrubs of paprika, bell pepper growing, and uh, between the, the paprika plants there are rows. And when you go into those rows, a uh, million and million of leaves, thousands of thousands of paprikas. The 66 hectares, uh, when you compare it to a field where you can play soccer, it, it's more than 120 fields of those. When you look at, at, at the plants, at the soil, uh, it's, it's not really soil, it's hydroponics. And on this hydroponics, the plant grows. Uh, the hydroponics contains water. The fertilizers are added by a small drainage pipe and it, it's drip system. This drip system will give plants the exact amount of water they need, so there's no waste of water. There's an obligation from the Dutch government that the water should be 100% recycling of the water. So no water is wasted. And we use the rainwater from the, from the roof. We don't use any other water. So that, that's quite, quite a good, good uh, way of, of protecting the environment. Wim, I don't have much of a head for heights. Let's get our feet on the ground and see where these peppers go from here. Paprikas are produced and picked into the greenhouses in small trolleys, and these trolleys go into the sorting and packing area, riding around without any, any people, it's all robotic. We see some people standing on the sorting machine. They are picking and grading the paprika, which are not fit for consumption or which are second quality, and they are measured by machinery. And in the end, we see boxes and these will go on the market. When the scale of this production is something else, you spoke about water a moment ago. What else does the producer here do to limit the impact of this cultivation on the environment? Regarding uh, the heating of the greenhouse, of course, that's an issue, but there is a, a factory nearby, and from this factory, there's a leftover of heating, and this warmth is used into the greenhouse, so it's recycling of warmth. Secondly, when you grow plants, you use the CO2, and the CO2 is coming from the factory as well. And on top of all the facilities, not in the greenhouses, but on the packing station, there's a lot of solar panels, and these solar panels can provide the electricity. Actually, within the Netherlands, uh, in, the, in the last 20 years, we did a, a big step forward in reusing all the water, the energy, 
Uh, we're making big steps ahead. There's an excellent quality, it's hyper-efficient, and our techniques go further and further. They are even using artificial intelligence to measure the growth of the plant. Wim, since we're here at this pepper greenhouse and this program is called Food for Europe, how do you like to eat your peppers? Roasted? Raw? I like paprika soup. Soup is so good. And it's quite easy. You remove the seeds and the stem, and put it in a pot and, and, and just cook it and then mix it a bit. And paprika soup is very good. Wim Roddenberg from Frothuis. Thanks very much for showing us round. And now, from this vast and impressive greenhouse in the Netherlands, we go south, across the Alps, to beautiful Trentino, South Tyrol, in Italy, to hear about another high-quality product, cultivated in a very different, but no less exacting way. Hello, I'm Giulia Montanaro. I work for Assomela, the Italian Apples Producer uh, Association, only in Trentino, South Tyrol, where Assomela is located and where we are today. We represent almost 13,000 apple growers who cultivate 1.5 million tons of apples on 24,000 hectares. Growing here in this region is a family tradition where the first apple orchards were planted at the beginning of 1700s and passed from father to son till today. Thanks to the construction of Brennero Railways in 1867, our growers started also to export, so very long time ago. Normally, the picking season here starts in the mid of August with the gala variety. These are the very last day of harvesting here in Trentino, South Tyrol. Our growers are now picking Crips Pink or Envy, for example, which are the latest varieties that we have. Apples from the region are, as you know, maybe famous worldwide for their taste and their quality. Every single apple in Trentino, South Tyrol is hand-picked. They are so special because geographical and weather condition are ideal for growing the perfect apple. That's why 11 varieties from South Tyrol are PGIs and three varieties from Valdinon in Trentino are PDOs. To remind you, PGIs are protected geographical indications. We've looked before here on Food for Europe at this topic. It's a scheme that protects against misuse or imitation of a product and guarantees the true origin of the product to buyers. And PDOs, that means protected designation of origin, so a product from a specific region whose quality or characteristics are essentially or exclusively due to the geographical environment. Back to Julia. Depending on the year, more than half of Trentino South Tyrol production, which means 600,000, 700,000 tons, is exported in 60 different countries. EU, it's our main exporting area, with Germany and Spain as the most important importers. Even the extra EU exports have grown in the last years. Egypt and all the Middle East countries are very important markets for our sales abroad. And of course, since we're called Food for Europe, we couldn't resist asking Julia about what people in Trentino, South Tyrol, like to do with their apples. 
apples are frequently used as an ingredient. Apple strudel, for example, is a very classic dessert, even at Christmas time. It is with apples, raisins, pine nuts, and then bake it. Then, of course, we use apples to produce apple juice, apple compote, cider. And the list goes on. Thanks so much, Julia, for taking time out to speak to us ahead of Interpoma in nearby Bolzano, which is the world's only international trade show dedicated exclusively to the world of apples and a sign of the industry's strength in your wonderful region. There's also a very important apple industry in neighbouring Austria, and I'm pleased to welcome Jürgen Koenig to the programme. He's Professor of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Vienna. Jürgen, good to have you on Food for Europe. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be part of the program. So, since we're on the subject of apples, from a nutritional point of view, does an apple a day really keep the doctor away? Yeah, the nice thing about apples actually is that it's a very regionally available fruit. And they are also, as peppers, a good source of vitamin C. And the other thing is about apples that they contain dietary fibers. The main constituent of the dietary fibers is pectin, which is a water-soluble dietary fiber, and this is good for your gut health, for example. What do you make of the European Union's efforts to promote greater consumption of European fruit and veg in Europe? Yeah, that's a very tricky question, actually, and I'm actually tempted to say that it is a bit disappointing, because if you look at the uh, results from the different uh, reports we have, is that uh, only few people actually across Europe consume the recommended amount of five portions of fruit and vegetables each day. So this on average across Europe is only about 12% of the population which follow that recommendation. So what would you change from a marketing perspective? This should be happening in, in the same way as every other marketing activities, for example, for less healthy foods. So what my suggestion actually would be to reintroduce the five-a-day marketing campaign uh, across Europe. And uh, what adds up on that is that Europeans also should be informed about the variety of fruit and vegetables. And maybe in addition, that's a bit delicate issue, actually, the pricing of fruit and vegetables should be a bit more transparent and should also include all aspects of fruit and vegetable production, including fair prices for those people producing and also for those people harvesting fruit and vegetables. Jürgen, we have a wider choice of fruit and vegetables in our shops than ever before. From a nutritional point of view, is that a blessing or a curse? From a nutritional point of view, it is at the end better that people consume imported fruit and vegetables rather than they don't consume any fruit and vegetable at all. However, having said that, we also, of course, should focus on regionally and seasonally available fruits and vegetables. And probably we need to start to promote the variety of locally available apples, for example, because at the moment only few varieties of apples are available in the typical supermarket. And we should return to request as consumers, but also as producers to offer our rich culture of different varieties we already have. Jürgen, thanks again for giving us your perspective. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you. Jürgen Koenig there, Professor of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Vienna. Now, our final guest for this programme is Pierre Bascou, Director of Markets in the Commission's DG Agri. Good to have you with us, Pierre. I'm very happy think, to be to be here with you I think, and, and to participate to this programme. Pierre, we've been looking at production in this episode of Food for Europe, but one of the complaints about Europe's fruit and vegetable sector is that it's too dependent on imports. Is that fair? Well, we recognise that consumer demand is such in Europe that we have a huge variety of products in our shops. 
But to say that we are dependent uh, on imports in Europe is, in our view, you know, rather misleading, and it's a myth. Uh, with more than 100 million tons uh, of um, fruit and veg being produced in the EU, we certainly grow enough product to feed Europeans. And for most of the product, actually, I think we export more than we import. Uh, moreover, fruit and veg growers are geographically concentrated, and this makes sense because this creates economies of scale, and the product are grown in the most uh, suitable climatic condition. And very often, they are distributed either locally or within the EU, so that, okay, export markets represent an important diversification, I think, for the sector, but primarily the single market, I think, is the main uh, market outlet. We hear a lot about agriculture's effects on the environment, the pesticides used on fields, the water, the fertiliser that runs off into rivers. The fruit and veg sector is part of that, isn't it? Well, what your reports have shown is that farmers and growers in general are extremely aware of their environmental responsibilities. Every economic sector needs to play its part, I think, in the sustainability, and agriculture is no exception, especially because it is particularly sensitive to climate change. And here I'm thinking, for instance, uh, about, I think, producers of stone fruits like apricot, peaches, uh, plums, etc., that handle crops badly affected by extreme weather events in the last two years. And through our recently revised CAP, Common Agricultural Policy, we are able to support Farmers and growers, I think, to prioritise the environment, whether it is in grass, uh, in greenhouses, orchards or fields. And fruit and veg farmers benefit from a very specific support scheme. And as of 2023, we have boosted the financing of climate and environmental-friendly farming practices for this sector within this specific scheme. You heard what Professor Koenig was saying there about disappointing levels of European consumption of fruit and vegetables. What's your response? Look, um, fruit and veg are central to a balanced diet and a healthy lifestyle. I think this is no secret, and whether it is peppers, apple, or, or whatever. Sadly, uh, we have to concur to some extent, I think, with Professor Koenig's observation. Um, consumption of uh, fruit and vegetables in the EU is still below the 400 grams per day per capita recommended by the World Health Organization. While it's not for us, let's be clear, to tell Europeans what to eat, um, the Commission will, however, continue its efforts to promote healthy and sustainable diets and to ensure that in the food environment offered to consumers, the healthy option is the easiest one. So what are the centre of all these elements? Two things, fruit and veg. <laughs> The fruit and vegetable sector is vulnerable to shocks in a way perhaps that other sectors aren't. When crisis comes, whether it's through bad weather or pollution or price fluctuations, is the EU doing enough for this sector? Yeah, well, um, the CAP has a variety of instruments to cash in the impact of shocks to the market. Take, for example, all the exceptional measures adopted during the COVID crisis, as well as the most recent one adopted following the war in Ukraine. Let's not forget also that the Commission acted very quickly um, in releasing exceptional crisis funds, especially to the fruit and vegetable sector following the Russian ban on European export in, in the summer of 2014. Finally, let me remind you that fruit and vegetable benefit from a specific scheme that aims at strengthening the collective bargaining power of producers in the supply chain. And without entering into details here, it's quite complicated. The important specificity of this scheme is that the EU funding is uncapped so that we encourage farmers to make full use of it. Pierre Bascou, Director of Markets at DG Agri, 
thank you for rounding off this edition of Food for Europe. Thank you very much. And thanks also to our other guests, Wim Roddenberg, Julia Montanaro and Jürgen Koenig, for guiding us on our journey through a sector whose importance for all of us is evident, whether at breakfast, lunch or dinner. From this edition of Food for Europe, it's goodbye and bon appétit. Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Der Klimawandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous.